my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Mark Moss Show, where, of course, we talk about each and every week the decentralized revolution, talking about the way the world is changing right before our very eyes, going from a centrally planned, centrally managed world of globalization to a decentralized world where every nation is sort of out for themselves. And of course, when that happens, the way that we communicate, the way that we transact all changes. And so we're charting that. And, you know, I talk about this each and every week, and we talk about the signposts that are happening so we can see what's happening. We can understand what we need to be doing to protect ourselves and manage ourselves through this. And some of these signposts that we see are more subtle, right? And it's like, a lot of times people ask me, you know, on social media, which by the way, if you're not following me on social media, you should check it out. It's just at one Mark Moss. It's the number one Mark Moss. But, you know, I'll post a thing talking about the pendulum swinging back and how, you know, globalization is ending and people are like, Mark, what are you talking about? Uh, I don't see that happening at all. It seems like the world's getting more centralized. So a lot of these signs are more subtle. Uh, but what we've seen going on this last week, uh, maybe last two weeks, is really accelerating. It's really accelerating a lot. And so I want to talk about that. We're going to talk about the death of the dollar. We're going to talk about the death of the dollar. Is it greatly exaggerated? Um, is it really happening right now? We're going to talk about that. I want to go into some historical context so you can really understand how this works, why this works. Uh, then we're going to talk about actually what's been happening the last two weeks, de-dollarization, how our trading partners are trading against us. Then we're going to jump into um, what's been backing the dollar for the last 50 years and how that it's just literally changed right before our eyes. And then ultimately, I want to go down to like, what does all this mean and why do you care? 
Why should you even pay attention to this? What does it mean to you? What should you be watching? And what should you be doing with this information, if anything, at all? So I want to talk about all of that. we got a big show coming up. I'm going to have to talk pretty fast here because i got a lot of ground to cover. Uh, so we'll go through this pretty quickly. But uh, like I said, this is a big show and it's a big topic and it's something that you should be concerned with. Now, I want to go back uh, into a little bit of historical narrative with you for a minute first. Uh, and the reason why is because you need to kind of understand this from a first principles level. You have to understand this um, from its most basic concepts. So you can learn to build and formulate your own ideas on top of this. All right. And so the first thing you have to understand is that we don't want money. We don't care about money. What we want is the things that money buys us. And ultimately, money is just uh, a way to store our value, to store our labor, our energy, until such a time that we're ready to use that. So what we really want is we want a new house, a new car, we want to go out to dinner, we want to go on vacation. And money is just what allows me to exchange for those things. So I don't care if it's a dollar or a rupee or a yuan or a gold coin or a Bitcoin. I don't care about any of that as long as what I'm storing my wealth in will continue to buy me more goods and services in the future. It's, in, it's important to understand that distinction because as we start talking about the way that uh, the dollar is changing and, and different currencies that are being used, it's important to understand it's only really a medium of exchange. It could also be used as a store of value as well, but we use lots of things to store our value. Now, it's important to understand that. I'll, another thing I want to talk about just real quick is a little bit of a history lesson so you can understand the way this works. So it's... Uh, all of economics is actually super simple. And, and I know that a lot of people talk about it, make it complex. I do as well um, because it is a complex topic, but at the same time, it's very simple. Economics always works off of the law of scarcity, uh, the supply and demand. So um, if there were, if there's more demand than there is supply, the price goes up and the vice versa is also true. So for example, if there were five houses for sale, but only one buyer, the price of those homes would have to come down because those home sellers are now competing for the one buyer. If the opposite were true, if there were five buyers, but only one house for sale, the price of the home would go up as those five buyers would now compete for the one single house, supply and demand. So the reason why it's important to understand that is because as the supply of money increases, which is actually the definition of inflation. If you think about inflation, if I was going to inflate a balloon, I'm increasing the volume of air. So if you inflate the money, you're increasing the volume, you're increasing the amount of money. And the problem is, is as you create more money, that's that, that new larger supply of money is trying to compete or chase the same amount of goods. So more demand than there is supply. The price of goods goes up, obviously. Now, it's important to understand that so you can understand in context what's exactly happening in the world today with the supply of money, but more importantly with the supply or I should say the prices of everything. And let's go back into a little bit of historical narrative so you can understand this real quick. So if you think back to the, 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 the stories of the, of the uh, Roman Empire, the greatest empire, the greatest country in history of the world the world's ever known. It covered the entire known world at the time. The problem is, is as it continued to expand that empire... It became very expensive. Sound familiar? Uh, and as they continued to expand and to build um, and, and gain new territory, they had to protect that new territory. So they had to build outposts. They had to put troops out there to defend that. And now they had all these people that they took over, so then they had to give them food and all these things. It became very, very expensive to do that. The problem is, is that at the time, silver was money. Their silver coin was money. And they needed more money to afford to expand the empire to make, and to hang on and maintain the empire that they had. And so how do they get more money? 
they couldn't just go get a bunch of more silver out of the ground. So what they did is they had this great idea. What we'll do is we'll just make our coin instead of 100% silver, we'll make it 90% silver. And by doing that, we can increase the amount of money we have by 10%. And so they did. And that worked pretty good. So let's do it again. And let's make it 80% silver, and then 70% silver, and then 50% silver, and then 20% silver. Over 200 years, they debased the currency by 90%. That allowed their money supply to increase. But the problem is it led to massive price inflation. And eventually, their currency was worthless and the Roman Empire fell apart. You know, you know the story right? Roman Empire is not around anymore. And that's why. Now, what it took the Roman Empire 200 years to do, the United States has managed to do that in only 90 years. Hey, hold my beer, right? We'll, we'll see what we can do there. Now, I want to bring your attention back to one other historical historical story that's kind of recently uh, kind of come back up and I was reading about it, which is uh, the early days of the United States and a very similar type of story in 1775 um, during the, you know, during the revolutionary period, um, the government needed money. In a war, you need money. Sounds, sounds about right. Okay, so in 1775, Continental Congress at the time issued $2 million in paper money to be created. By the end of 1776, one year later, 25 million was in circulation from two to 25. But what that did is then that money, that paper money, which used to be redeemable one for one for the silver coins was now at a 30% discount relative to silver. So because they went from 2 million to 25 million in circulation, they inflated the money supply. Now it bought them 30% less silver, less goods. One year later, by the end of 77, they now had 38 million in circulation and now is trading at a 70% discount relative to silver. By the end of 1779, which was now four years later, there was 192 million in circulation. And now the $1 in paper money was worth only about one cent of silver. Now, all this money creation made it worth less money, just like the Roman Empire and just like we're seeing today. Now, what's important, to, uh, I, love this, I love this thing. At, at one point, said George Washington, who was the commander of the Continental Army, remarked that a wagon load of money wouldn't buy a wagon load of provisions anymore. And in October of 1779, just four years later, Continental Congress requested uh, no more money from the states. They didn't want the money that they had created. Now what they wanted was actual supplies, such as corn, such as wheat, such as hay and oats. So they inflated the money supply so fast and so big that it wasn't worth anything. It wouldn't buy them the goods and services they want anymore. And it got to the point where four years later, the government itself, Continental Congress, said, no more money. We don't want money from the states. We want the actual supplies. Does that sound familiar? That's exactly where we're in. We're seeing the United States dollar follow the exact same path as its predecessor, the continental dollar, and the exact same path that the Roman denarius silver coin had. You print a bunch of money, it continues to buy you less and less and less good services until nobody wants it anymore. And that's exactly the path that we're in. If you just tune in, you're listening to the Mark Moss Show. I'm going to take a very quick break. We're going to come back to talk about the death of the dollar, what happened with uh, the oil, and so much more. I'll be back with all that in a minute. Don't go away. I'll be right back. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. 
One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning is connecting with people. In an unscripted, unvarnished way, is getting to to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine, and I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark, more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Ma Show. We're talking about the death of the U.S. dollar, greatly exaggerated. What's going on with the U.S. dollar? Now, it's been all over the news. You've been seeing it on CNN. You've seen it on Fox. You've seen it everywhere. The dollar's days are over. Um, everyone's st stopping to use the dollar. And there's a lot of truth to that. And then maybe a lot of it might be uh, over-exaggerated, and there might be a lot of fiction in that. And so I want to bring some fact back to this so you can kind of understand. This week, I should say, I saw CNN do a video about it. I saw Tucker Carlson do a video on it. And while it certainly makes for good media, it's a little bit overhyped. So let's talk about this. Now, what, what is actually happening? Well, what is actually happening is the dollar is being dropped all around the world. And the reason why is back to what we talked about in the first segment is when you continue to print more dollars, they buy you less and less in goods and services. Also, what really, in my opinion, well, not my opinion, I believe this is fact, what really exaggerated this was not just that the dollar is buying less goods and services in the future, the dollar has been weaponized against these countries. And so when the US seized Russia's bank account, when the whole world saw the Canadians' bank accounts get seized because they donated $25 to a, you know, a GoFundMe, but more importantly, when Russia had their bank account seized, the whole world realized, shoot, there's no rule of law anymore. There's no such thing as like due process anymore. And what I think is my property, my money, isn't. As a matter of fact, the government can just take it from anytime they want. And if it can happen to Russia, which is one of three global superpowers with nuclear weapons, if it can happen to them, it can happen to anybody. It can certainly happen to me and any other nation will as well. So two things. One, the rapid increase of money supply of, of dollars 
means it's buying less and less in good services. So they don't want to hold it. But second of all, they don't want to hold it because they know it can just be seized at any given time. And so the world has already been on a path of what's called de-dollarization. So China really announced this back in 2013. Russia has been de-dollarizing. China has been de-dollarizing, knowing that this day was going to come, in my opinion. Now, when it happened to Russia, China took extra measures to really start to speed up de-dollarization. But what's been all over the news headlines in the last week or two is that the rest of the world is all following suit now. As a matter of fact, it's like the world is dropping the dollar like a bad habit. Now, there's been news headlines everywhere. The BRICS nations, uh, which is uh, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. But now there's a whole other group of nations that are joining the BRICS nations. Uh, they're all going to start a new currency to replace the dollar, potentially. We see that China and Russia are working on an alternative payment system, an alternative to SWIFT. So if you don't know what SWIFT is, uh, I'm sure you do. If you've ever, you ever sent a wire transfer, you know SWIFT, like a SWIFT code. And SWIFT is the network, the U.S. dollar payment network that allows you to send dollars anywhere in the world. And so if you want to send money anywhere in the world, you have to use the SWIFT system. But if the U.S. can control that and block you out, they need to build a new alternative. So China and Russia are doing that. We saw that Malaysia and India are now doing trade outside the dollar. And they're doing trade um, where, it's not, where it's actually settled in their own currencies, not the dollar at all. We're seeing now in Russia, the most traded currency in Russia now is the Chinese yuan, which again, they were kicked out of the dollar, so they really had no choice. Uh, we saw Brazil and China are now settling their trade in yuan, not dollars. And so this is a big deal. Now, this is the death of a thousand cuts, if you will. These are all little things that are happening that are just ultimately speeding us down this path where the dollar just loses all of its power. Now, as this is rapidly happening, like I said, we're seeing the rise of these BRICS nations. It's important to understand that kind of back what I said in the first segment is that, remember, we don't want money. What we want is the things that money buys us. And what are the things that we need money to buy us? Well, we need the most important things in life if we want to stay alive, which is food and energy. We need food and energy, right? So, the BRICS nations produce the things that we actually need. They produce food and energy. Russia, which is the R in BRICS, is the world's number one exporter. I believe Brazil is the second largest exporter, or maybe just the largest exporter in this hemisphere. And they export actual goods and services, actual goods, I should say. So they produce food like wheat and corn. They produce metals like nickel and lithium. They produce... Uh, fertilizer to grow the food. They produce real things, energy like oil and natural gas, and they ship this to the rest of the world. What does the U.S. export? U.S. exports dollars. And as long as those dollars have been in demand, it's worked out really well. But as these nations are de-dollarizing, the, de the demand for the dollar is falling very fast. Now, what else does the U.S. export? Well, the U.S. exports um, financial services. So we have the largest financial markets in the world. So our traders in the US are trading complex derivative contracts. Okay, does uh, India or Iran or Malaysia, do they care about our derivatives contract? No, they want natural gas, they want oil. What else does the US export? Well, we export uh, services like uh, social media. <laughs> We have the Facebook stocks, the Apple, Netflix, Google. And actually, Putin called us out on that as we tried, as I should say, not we, as the U.S. government tried to punish um, Russia 
and said, you know, we're going to crush your bank accounts, et cetera. Well, Russia's fine because they're continuing to produce the goods and services that the world wants. And Putin called, uh, called out the United States. He said, what are you guys going to do? Live off of each your social media stocks? Like, that's what we have. That's what we produce. But the BRICS are all traded in other currencies. They're trading in their own. Now, it's important to understand that while the U.S. is definitely losing trust, and not, not just because they're printing more dollars, but because they seized Russia's bank account, um, these nations don't trust China either. They probably even even as even as much trust has been damaged with the U.S. dollar, there's probably still more trust in the U.S. dollar than there is in in China. And none of these countries, the BRICS, this coalition that they formed, none of them trust anybody. So what they're wanting to do is they're all wanting to trade in their own currencies. So we saw this week India ditches the U.S. dollar to trade in rupees, for example. We see that uh, China and Malaysia are now discussing uh, a new fund called the Asian Monetary Fund to reduce dependence on the U.S. dollar. We saw China and Brazil recently struck a deal to ditch the U.S. dollar in favor of their own currencies. Now, this is a pretty big deal because Russia, as a, I'm sorry, Brazil has been uh, one of the U.S.'s, you know, what we would call friendlies. Um, they're one of the largest commodity exporters in the world. Uh, the U.S. needs Brazil. As the world continues to decentralize, deglobalize, the U.S. needs Brazil, needs South America uh, in its orbit. But we've done a lot to destabilize that relationship. And now here's China and Brazil getting cozy, cozy. And now they're deciding to do, do trade um, in financial transactions, exchanging in, the, in Chinese yuan for real without converting to the dollar. We saw Kenya in Africa now says that they're going to buy oil using local currency instead of U.S. dollars. Kenyan President William Ruto signed an agreement with Saudi Arabia to buy oil for Kenyan shillings instead of U.S. dollars. Russia is calling on these BRICS nations to explore trading in new currencies. Now, I don't believe they're going to be able to find a new reserve currency. I don't think that this way it's going to work. Um, I see a decentralized world. So I'm going to explain to you what that means. What does a decentralized world mean? How do we move forward when one of these, none of these nations trust the U.S. and they don't trust each other? We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about these thousand cuts. But more importantly, I want to talk about the death blow that just came across this week that's really, really big. And then ultimately, I want to explain to you, what does all this mean? Why do you even care? Why should you even pay attention to this? What should you be watching? And more importantly, what should you be doing with this information? I'm going to cover all of that. It's a big show coming up. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. I got to take a quick break. I'll be back with more about the dollar and oil and all that's good stuff. I'll be back in a second. Don't go away. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning is connecting with people in an unscripted, unvarnished way. It's getting to, to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine. And I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. 
In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. Of course, we always talk about the decentralized revolution and Boy, are we talking about that today. We're talking about how the world is breaking apart the U.S. global's, what we call homogeny, the U.S. dollar, uh, the U.S., the U.S. as a country's global dominance, as well as their dominance imposed by the U.S. dollar is falling. And it's falling fast. However, it's not quite as sensational as Tucker Carlson and uh, CNN are trying to make it out to be. It is happening, yes. And it is a big thing to be paying attention to, yes. Uh, but it's more of like a death by a thousand cuts. So like I said, all these other countries are starting to do trade outside of the U.S. dollar. But so far, it's, again, it's a slow, slow, slow bleed, bleed out. But something really big did happen this week, and this is a big deal for a lot of reasons. So uh, for a quick history in the United States, you probably already know this, but just super real fast just to go through it. Um, up until, you know, the U.S. dollar took over the reserve currency status of the world from the pound sterling. During World War I and II, um, England printed way too much money to fight their world wars and devalued, debased their currency. The U.S. didn't want their currency because it was continuing to be devalued, and so the U.S. demanded gold. Over the course of those two wars, the U.S. Uh, brought in more gold than any other nation. At some point, uh, the United States had about two-thirds of all the gold in the world was in the U.S. And so then um, under 1944, the Bretton Woods Agreement, uh, the world agreed that the U.S. dollar would be the reserve currency of the world. It would be backed by gold. So... $35 redeemable for an ounce of gold. Any nation in the world could redeem their dollars for gold whenever they wanted. All right. 1971, the world was, well, not just 1971. Leading up to that, the U.S. kept printing more dollars. Sort of like we talked about in the first segment, how um, the continental dollars. Um, so they printed so many continental dollars. And in this case, they printed so many dollars. The nations of the world realized this. And they said, look, we don't want your dollars anymore. And since they're redeemable for gold, we want the gold. And so all these nations were redeeming for gold, gold over and over and over. Finally, the U.S. was over it. They, pro they probably ran out of gold. The gold supply has never been audited since then, so we don't know if there's any gold left. Um, but basically, uh, these nations were demanding their gold. And in 1971, President Richard Nixon said, enough. I'm closing the gold window. You can no longer redeem any of those dollars for gold anymore. Now, that's a pretty big deal. A lot of people haven't really talked about that in depth. It's a big deal because basically the U.S. defaulted on its obligations. The world had made an agreement with the United States under Bretton Woods Agreement that they would use dollars, but they could redeem for gold in time they wanted, and the U.S. just broke that agreement. Now, why would the world continue to use dollars after that happened? Well, it's a good question. And the answer is they wouldn't. Um, so in 1974, a new deal was made with Saudi Arabia to back the dollars with oil, what's called what's known as the petrodollar. 
Now, that's a big deal. The agreement was that basically Saudi Arabia would always price oil in dollars so that there would always be demand for dollars. Um, in exchange, the U.S. would always have Saudi Arabia's back. Our military would protect them. So they've been our trading partner. They've been uh, key in keeping the U.S. dollar's dominance for the last 50 years. And that's been a big deal, except for President Biden came in on a campaign saying that he was going to put them in their place. He was going to push back on them. He was going to take this thug of a kingdom and check them and put them in their place. At the same time, um, as, as Biden went on this rampage to destroy relations with Saudi Arabia, he also went on a binge to destroy oil output in the United States which is pretty weird. You would think if you're going to destroy your relationship with an oil-producing nation that we depend on, you would try to increase your oil supply so we could offset the damage that would cause. But of course, that's not what President Biden would do. Uh, he would destroy our oil-producing nation partner and destroy our own oil economy at the same time. But basically, it's a big deal because as this has continued to break down, then we saw you know, inflation, this is a key piece here, we saw inflation running rampant. Now, inflation, in this case, being the prices of goods and services were going through the roof. And this was mainly being driven by energy prices going up. The, the price of oil and natural gas went through the roof. And when the price of energy goes up, the price of everything goes up because everything requires energy. So what is the U.S. president, President Biden and the Federal Reserve going to do? Well, they need to bring prices back down. So Biden starts releasing oil from our strategic petroleum reserve. So again, supply and demand. If the price is too high, well, let's increase the supply. Now, instead of increasing the supply like he should have done, which is like, hey, oil producers in the U.S. produce more oil. That would have been the smart thing. Instead, he said, let's just drain our savings account. It's sort of like... Um, you know, let's say that you lost your job and uh, instead of just going, hey, I should probably go get another job and produce my own and, you know, create wealth, produce more income. Let's just drain our savings account. And that's basically what he did. And so we've been we've been doing that. Of course, Biden, in addition to um, draining our oil supply, begged the world to produce more oil, begged Saudi Arabia to produce more oil, begged Venezuela to produce more oil. He tried to get a meeting with Saudi Arabia and they didn't want him to come. They denied him, which of course they would after he said all those mean things about him. Finally, they let him come over. And I think this was a very key moment is when President Biden finally went to go meet with the, pre with the king, Mohammed bin Salman, MBS as he's referred to. There's a famous picture. It was, a, it was an embarrassing picture where basically Biden and MBS are doing a fist bump. Now, you know, a fist bump is maybe something you do with like one of your boys when you see him real quick and it's kind of like done in done in, in jest or in fun. But if you're particularly a man, but anybody, and you're going to do a serious deal, you're going to do a business deal, you're going to shake a hand. And so I think that was kind of the shot heard around the world. And and, and even, even worse that really cemented this was that then we saw um, President Xi from China over there shaking hands. Which is the way it's done. Now, uh, so this has continued to deteriorate this relationship with Saudi Arabia. And the big thing was is that this week, Saudi Arabia came out and said that they no longer care about the United States. They no longer care what the United States thinks. And Saudi Arabia and the rest of the oil-producing nations over there, collectively known as OPEC+, plus, uh, agreed that they are going to slash supply by 1.6 million barrels a day. Now, as the Biden administration, as the Federal Reserve is, is on a campaign to crush inflation, bring prices down, they're doing that by crushing demand. If they make you broke by crushing your retirement account, crushing your home, 
making you lose your job. If they make you broke, then you won't buy as much. You won't order Amazon anymore. You won't go on vacation. Then your energy supply will be less or demand will be less. And so if they can crush the demand for oil, then they could somehow bring inflation down. But OPEC says, we see what you're doing. So here's what we're going to do. You want to crush demand? Fine. We'll just shut off supply. See, two, two can play that game. And that's exactly what they did. So OPEC this, uh, agreed to cut uh, restriction back by 1.6 million barrels a day. That's a big deal. Now, of course, this starts next month through the end of this year. Of course, that happens right in the middle of summer when demand for energy goes through the roof. What is that going to do to inflation for this summer? So while the Fed's trying everything they can to cr cut inflation, OPEC just chopped them at the knees. Now, the Fed can continue to fight inflation by raising rates, but as we've already talked about in other episodes, as they continue to raise rates, they made the Fed broke. Then they made the U.S. government, the Treasury broke, and now they broke the banks. Now we're seeing the banks collapse. So they're going to keep raising rates to fight off inflation, but as they continue to raise rates, they're going to continue to bankrupt themselves, the Treasury, and the banks. And they're not going to have any dent in oil because OPEC says we're just going to keep cutting supply then. What are we going to do? It's a pretty big deal. Now, on top of that, Saudi Arabia has now in bed with China. Saudi Arabia now says they're going to adopt economic strategy without U.S. dependence. Um, they said that uh, they're now going to cut oil production. They're now partnering with China to build Chinese oil refineries. They entered a trade alliance with China, Russia, India, Pakistan, and four Central Asian nations to step away from the U.S. dollar. They partnered with India to create an investment bridge, emphasizing greater economic interconnectedness. I mean, this is a really big deal. Now, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about the death of the dollar. Uh, we're talking about the death of the petrodollar. And I want to talk about now, what does all this mean to you? What should you be watching? What should you be doing about this? Because you got to do something. If you just sit back, sitting on your hands, it's not going to work out well for you. So I'm going to be back. I got to take a quick break. I'm going to come back. I'm going to tell you that. What should you be watching? What should you be doing? What, why do you care about this? So I'm going to cover all that when I come back and more in a minute. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. Don't go away. You definitely don't want to miss this last section. I'll be right back. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, stories from the frontiers of marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning is connecting with people in an unscripted, unvarnished way. It's getting to, to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine. And I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark, more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. 
Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about, of course, each and every week, the decentralized revolution, and we are talking about today specifically, yes, the decentralized revolution. We're talking about the way the world is literally breaking apart as the U.S., as a nation continues to lose its dominance and the U.S. dollar as the reserve currency of the world continues to lose its, do- its dollar dominance. And so I've gone through a lot. You know, we went through history lessons. We went through uh, the, 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 the reduction of using the dollar as a currency. We just went through the destruction of the U.S. dollar's backing in oil and the OPEC nations. If you missed any of this, don't worry, I got you back. Just You can search it on your favorite podcast player. Just search The Mark Moss Show on your favorite podcast player. Um, or you can check it out on YouTube and just search uh, Market Disruptors on YouTube and you'll find all these on there. You can watch me and listen to me at the same time. Also, if you're on social media, I'd love to hear from you. Just ask me any questions, shout me out, tell me that you you heard the show. Uh, you can find me on social media at one Mark Moss at one Mark Moss. That's just the number one. Now, I also I do want to say um, I you know I speak around the country quite a bit. I'm going to be speaking at the Bitcoin conference that's coming up here next month. That's a pretty big deal for you to be paying attention to because as the U.S. dollar loses dominance, there's not going to be another single reserve currency, in my opinion. There's no there's no global power to come and unilaterally from on high say this is the new reserve currency. It's not not the way it works. All of these nations, these new trade alliances, are trying to come up with their own uh, currency, their own monetary system. But none of them are going to trust each other. So that's why they're all wanting to trade in their own currencies. India wants to trade in the rupee. Brazil wants to trade in the real. China wants to trade in the yuan. And so we're going to continue to see the monetary system decentralize. Ultimately, none of them are going to trust each other. So some are going to argue to go back to gold. The problem with gold is it doesn't work in the information age. Now, I like gold. I hold gold. I think you should own some gold. But it doesn't work in the in the information age. And that's why I think Bitcoin is what will ultimately take over. Because it's something that is what we call trustless. That means you don't have to trust Bitcoin. You don't have to trust the other person. There's no counterparty to that. So in a gold-backed system, I have to trust that whoever's holding the gold in their vault really has the gold in their vault. And if I'm trusting the U.S. dollar or the Chinese yuan, I have to trust that they won't seize my bank accounts. With Bitcoin, nobody controls the network. And so there is no trust that's required with Bitcoin. Now, you may not trust it because it's, you know, brand new technology, you don't understand it. And and I and I get that. Most of the world doesn't, but it's it's growing. It's growing really fast. As a matter of fact, the Bitcoin conference has gone from like 1,500 people a few years ago to like 30,000 people this year. Like I said, I'll be speaking. If you want to come hang out with me, I have a special deal for you. Uh, you can get a 10% discount off of your tickets if you use code MarkMoss at checkout. 10% off and uh, just go to their website, Bitcoin conference, just Google that and just use Mark Moss, get 10% off and... If you use my discount code and send me a message on social media or on um, email, then I am organizing a special get-together with just uh, people from my um, community. And so if you'd like to come hang out with me and a couple other like-minded people in the community, um, get 10% off the discount code using that discount code Mark Moss. Um, Send me a message on social media or email me. Let me know you bought it with that code, and I'm going to have a special event for you. Now, getting back to this 
why do you care about all this? What's going to happen because of this? Well, like I said, this is only going to continue and it's going to accelerate. And so what does that mean for you? Well, it means a couple things. One, it means that the U.S.'s influence in the world of politics will continue to, to, to wane. I think that's a given. You already, you already know that. It also means that the U.S. dollar will continue to be used less and less in trade. And what happens with that is that other nations are going to stop buying U.S. treasuries. They don't, want to res- they don't want to hold their reserves, their savings in U.S. dollar treasuries anymore. And instead, they'd rather have the commodities, the real goods and services. And so we're seeing this all over. As a matter of fact, I put a chart on Twitter the other day. Again, if you're not following me on Twitter, check it out at one Mark Moss. And it shows since 2013, the amount of central banks purchasing U.S. treasuries has basically stayed flat from 2013 to 2021 was basically flat. But since 2021, it has fallen off of a cliff. But in the meantime, in the, in the exact same time period since 2013, the amount of central bank purchases of gold have been rising. And as a matter of fact, have, ri- have have risen quite a bit. And so what does that tell us? Well, with central bank currencies, central demand for uh, U.S. Treasuries staying flat, but gold going up, it shows that these central banks are deciding to not hold U.S. Treasuries and instead hold something else. We've seen that China has cut their supply of U.S. Treasuries down big time. Even Japan has been cutting its supply of U.S. Treasuries. And we're seeing nations that would rather hold the assets in the ground. Maybe that's part of the reason why OPEC has cut their oil production. They'd rather have the oil in the ground than the dollars because they know those dollars will not buy them more goods and services in the future. And so this is what we're, what was happening. Now, if they're doing that, then what should you be doing? If they're increasing their um, reserves, their savings in commodities and other assets out of the U.S. dollar, then you should probably be doing that. Why? Well, for the same two reasons. One, what would you expect? Well, what we would expect is that we already know that the U.S. is spending more than it brings in. As a matter of fact, the U.S. is running trillion-dollar deficits. It will probably go to $2 trillion deficits here pretty soon. And that means they have to continue to print more money, print more, more money, more money. As they continue to print more money, your dollars buy you less goods and services. So this means that your dollars will buy you less goods and services in the future. So that means inflation. I mean, home prices are going to go up, car prices are going to go up, gasoline is going to go up, steak, milk, cheese, it's all going to go up. It's all going to go up. So you don't want to save in dollars, you want to save in something else, something that will keep up with the price of inflation or beat it. Now, as they continue to use less and less dollars and they buy less U.S. treasuries, that means we have to print even more, which means the prices go up even more and even faster. And so one thing I would expect is I would expect inflation to continue to rage on. The Fed does not have inflation under control. Uh, OPEC just made sure the Fed doesn't have control. OPEC uh, basically took away the Fed's control. Now, remember, nothing moves up or down in a straight line. So we might see a couple more CPI prints, PCE prints coming out in the next couple of months that look like it's going down because nothing goes up and down in a straight line. But if you zoom out over the next year, two, three, four, five years, we're expecting a lot more inflation. The other thing that I would expect is I would expect to see, unfortunately, continued, um, you know, volatility in geopolitics as well. This means more supply chains, uh, supply chain issues and things like that. And so we want to be prepared to deal with that. And a couple of ways that we'd want to do that is one, not only just securing our wealth, um, investing our wealth, so it buys us more goods and services in the future, but we also want to secure our freedoms. So one, we want to think about 
our communication. We can see that all over the world, our communications are under attack. And so we would need to think about how can we set up our communications that we can control? How can we do that using decentralized communication networks like Noster, for example? Uh, Zion is another one that I'm using, for example. And so we want to do that. Um, open monetary networks, of course, like Bitcoin, like I was talking about before, holding some gold as well, and then holding real assets, holding real estate, holding land, holding cattle. It's part of the reason why I, uh, I'm actually recording this. I'm, I'm coming to you from my ranch in Texas right here. I got five cows. I got eight goats. You know, most of you guys know I live on the beach most of the time, but I have this ranch just in case I might need some of those hard assets. And so we're going to continue to see volatility there. We're continue to expect to see higher prices, specifically around energy, uh, oil. I, you know, the, the basically the markets are telling us that oil will probably be about hundred dollars a barrel this summer. So expect for gas prices to go back up in a big way. Um, and so you have to be able to protect yourself and offset that. Now, ultimately, why do you care about this? Well, over the long run, this inflation really takes hold. And unfortunately, if the U.S. doesn't pivot back pretty quickly here. Um, it's going to just start accelerating. And so you're going to have to take even more action to keep your head above water. I think inflation can happen so fast. It can be like Zimbabwe, where, you know, the Zimbabwe dollar used to be pegged one to one with the dollar, but it inflated so fast that everybody became a billionaire in Zimbabwe, but it was $300 billion for one single egg. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We've been talking about the decentralized revolution, talking about the death of the US dollar by a thousand cuts, how OPEC is ganging up and just took the power away from the Fed and how you should expect higher inflation and what you should do about it. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Hit me up on social media at one Mark Moss. Let me know. And that's what I got. Thanks for listening. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School Podcast, hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season show us big risk can yield big rewards, like Rob Riley, the creative head of one of the world's leading advertising firms. I try to create environments where anybody can say anything without any judgment. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast.